Well, good morning. My name is Vicki Gabriel, and I am married to David Gabriel, and this summer, he and I celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. Thanks. But there's more. Um, this fall, we marked 25 years of membership at WHPC. We have raised our family within this community. So truly, you all are saints in the Gabriel household. And I am so blessed to be able to share in service with you this morning. So I once heard the question asked, who are the saints? The response, they are the people the light shines through, through the heart of the people where the love of God is allowed to shine through. Now, growing up Catholic in Alton, Illinois, there were stained glass windows that surrounded me as I sat in the pews of St. Peter and Paul's Catholic Church. Not only on Sunday, but every day as I attended Mass before my school day began. Through the beautiful stained glass windows, the light would shine through the saints that were depicted on those windows. While our beautiful sanctuary here at Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church, we do not have stained glass windows with saints. We do have a beautiful stained glass cross which shines the light and love of Christ. And every time I am sanctuary, I feel, I see, and I am filled with the shared love of God between the saints and myself. Now, I, I invite you to think about the names you have or you will put on your footprint card. And I would like to share with you three of my saints and how God's light has shined through them and continues to light and to shine into my life. The saints who have walked with me in my journey with Jesus include an older woman, an older man, and a younger man. So come walk with me. My journey begins with an older woman, Lulu, my grandmother, who allowed me to ask the questions, was patient with me, and not only answered my questions, but allowed me to explore my faith and persevere and to continue to live into my faith. Lulu was sound in faith. She was grounded in the truth of God's word, and she was able to affirm from her past experiences the faithfulness of God and the trustworthiness of his promises. She lived every day of her 92 years knowing and believing that she had not outlived her youthfulness nor her usefulness in her calling. The older man, my dad, his witness to a faithful life of devotion and worship, not questioning until he was diagnosed with terminal cancer at the age of 58, 
and was called home just two years later. During these two years, faith questions and doubts were ever present as eternity was ever within his grasp. Many late night conversations between the two of us often ended in prayers and a witness to me that when despair is surrounding us, when doubts tempt us, our choice to worship brings us closer to eternity than we can ever imagine and further steadies our steps, opens our eyes, and calms our hearts. The younger man, my youngest son, my third child, whose life was cut short as he was struck and killed by a drunk driver in front of his college. My son, Matthew. Matthew lived a lifetime of faith in his short 19 years. I was blessed beyond measure to watch his faith explode, to take root as a result of the seeds planted, watered, and nourished by the many saints within this community of faith of Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church. Matthew was a quiet, shy little boy, always sitting back and taking it all in. He was steady on, disciplined, not terribly overreaching, but yet just enough. He was confirmed in the ninth grade. His dad and I had offered to help him with his faith testimony, but Matthew politely declined, saying he had it all in his head. Well, needless to say, Dave and I were a little concerned, but we let it go. In a follow-up conversation with his confirmation leader, we were told that he had given a beautiful witness. I was a little surprised. Matthew was not much to talk about his personal faith, so I had to ask the question, did he mention Jesus? I was assured that he did and assured that he had found his salvation in Jesus Christ. So Matthew attended celebration, the youth retreat as a sophomore in high school. And it was a heart changing and faith building experience for him. He began living boldly for Jesus, living with an emergency for eternity. Living with Matthew was like drinking water from a fire hydrant. He was committed to D group, attending worship, active in the youth ministry, and living into its mission. He was reaching out and he was sharing Christ. The quiet, shy little boy was being transformed into a joyful, steadfast, faithful young man with a heart mind and soul set on kingdom purposes in all areas of his life. This continued through his years in high school within his leadership positions on the lacrosse team as he went off to Goucher College in Baltimore, Maryland to play lacrosse. He never denied or forgot who he was in Christ encouraging friends and teammates, sharing faith and love and encouragement 
always being intentional. His witness to his faith and his love of Christ lives on and continues to teach me endurance, steady on, encouragement to receive love, grace, strength, and comfort, gratitude for the present moment and in the relationships that we are given, love, to love deeply and to live boldly, joy, found in the abundance of Christ and his path set before me. And as I continue to live my faith journey, reflecting on what legacy I desire to leave for God, I indeed think of the eternal life that continues to shine through the saints in my life and seek the power of the Holy Spirit, encouragement, endurance, seeking the eternal hope, together with the love and grace, the strength and comfort of Christian community, I am able to see above my circumstances, to take faithful steps of trust, a promise of hope toward the abundant joy that awaits me. And I am forever grateful for the saints that have left a legacy in my life and forever grateful for this community who for the past 25 years have and continue to walk with me the steady steps into the light of Christ's love to allow his light to shine through. And the same light shines on each of you into your hearts, leading the way to be saints in others' lives, to become a legacy in someone else's story. We journey together, dear friends, a vulnerable journey towards the rugged cross where the glory of abiding in God's love, grace, and abundant joy for all of eternity awaits. So take the steps and keep walking. And let's walk together, encouraging each other on to endure the path that is laid before us, looking to be the light shining through the stained glass. Amen. I've come to know Though my heart and flesh have failed There's an anchor for my soul I can say it is well Jesus has overcome And the grave is over I will. 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight, every sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. The word of the Lord. Amen. 
as a little girl, one of my favorite things that would happen during the holiday was the Foley's Thanksgiving Day Parade. That shows how old I am, right? Y'all remember that? The Foley's Thanksgiving Day Parade in Houston, Texas. That was a big deal. And I remember the year that I finally convinced my parents to go and see it in person. I was so excited. We got downtown. We got to the place my parents had chosen only to find that many people had gotten there before us. The parade was going on. I could hear it, but I couldn't see a thing. And when my dad figured out what was going on without any, you know, problem at all, he simply picked me up and plopped me down on his shoulders. And all of a sudden, I could see it all. The balloons, the bands, everything. I was able to see more. I was able to do more because of my father's lift, my father's support. This morning, as we read the letter to the Hebrews, the author reminds us that as Christians, we do not stand on our own. We don't claim to have faith in Jesus Christ on our own. Truthfully, we are all here this morning because men and women, mothers and fathers in the faith went before us. If you want to tell the story of your faith, as Vicki has this morning, if you want to tell the story of our faith, if you want to tell the story of this church, you have to go to the past. You have to talk about our collective story, our historical faith. We are here this morning on the shoulders of giants, giants of faith. The author of Hebrews lists Abel and Enoch and later Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, even Rahab and many, many more, all people who by the choices they made, were faithful. People who had a sure hope in God's promises, who were convinced of God's goodness even when they couldn't see it. And the early church that the author of Hebrews wrote to, it stood on the shoulders of such giants of faith, rooted as they were in the Old Testament scripture. And soon in the early church, new giants of faith emerged. Giants like Peter and Paul and the women of the empty tomb. For 2,000 years now, men and women, some famous, but most of whom are just ordinary people like you and like me. These saints have taught in the name of Christ. They've preached in the name of Christ. They've reached out in the name of Christ. And you and I sit here in this place because of their effort, their sweat, their blood, their faith. We stand on the shoulders of giants. A little closer to home, the majority of you here in this sanctuary are sitting here in a place that was built and paid for by others. Others, ordinary people like you and me who cared enough to build a place for you to worship, 
to listen to glorious music, to pray, to read scripture, to love in the name of Christ. We in this place stand on the shoulders of giants, giants of faith here at Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church. Now some of these ordinary saints may be in the pew next to you, many are, but many have also completed their race. They have entered what the Bible calls the joy of their masters. And it is the lives of such saints that we remember and celebrate every year on this day, All Saints Sunday. The lives of giants of faith or saints that have served God well in this place. The lives of giants of faith or saints that have lifted each of you up on their shoulders. The lives of the faithful that have lifted this church up and made it a place of God's welcome and grace here in Austin. Now, I don't know much about running a marathon. You can probably tell that by looking at me. But I have heard that when running a marathon, there comes a point. They call it hitting the wall. It happens around the 20th mile. The 20th mile of a marathon is supposed to be the hard one. That's when the energy is low, when pain becomes a constant companion, when the thought of giving up is actually quite strong. There's a lot more race to be run, and people get very, very tired. And that is when the fans on the sidelines can really make a difference. Marathon, marathon fans know exactly where to position themselves at the 20th mile so that they can cheer on the people who get there and get to a low point. Indeed, the 20th mile is so daunting that fans will stand there and they'll cheer anyone who gets that far in the race just to help them along. Well, the author of Hebrews knows that running the race of faith is difficult as well. Wouldn't it be easier if it were just a 100-meter dash, right? If we could just give our best in one short burst of faith and then it would be over? We could then collapse in the victory tent and sip on our lemonade. But the race of faith is a marathon. It goes on and on. It goes on when the race is fun and when the living the faith is easy. But it continues when the going gets tough, when the pain is highest and when the future looms gray or uncertain. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And if you're sitting in this place this morning, guess what? It's a marathon that's not finished yet. That's why the author of Hebrews points to the cloud of witnesses that line the road. They have finished the race and they now circle back to cheer us on. And what a great cloud supports us as a church, as individuals. Today is the day for remembering, for celebrating that cloud of witnesses that surrounds and supports this church. This day is a day for remembering and celebrating our personal 
cloud of witnesses, those who have died, but continue to lift us up on their shoulders as surely as my father did all those years ago to give us a broader view of life and love and faith. My cloud of witnesses includes two grandmothers, two very different ladies who frankly in life didn't even like each other very much. One was incredibly genteel and proper, but she taught me to love the church and to love scripture, diving in deeply, reading it regularly. The other woman, not as refined, a little rough around the edges, but warm, warmer still, who taught me the kind of love it takes, frankly, to hold a family together through very difficult times. My cloud of witnesses includes a crusty old professor from Princeton Seminary who just knew that the younger preachers would never be able to preach in the church. It includes two mentor pastors who loved me into the kind of pastor I am. And it includes scores of faithful men and women who I was honored to serve Jesus Christ alongside, who I was honored to be called their pastor. I am proud to stand on the shoulder of such people. And I am so blessed to have these people cheering me on as I run my race, my marathon. In a few minutes, when we approach this table, you will be invited to come forward. You'll be invited to bring that footprint with the names of your cloud of witness, names written on those footprints, names of those you celebrate this day. Now notice I say celebrate, not mourn or grieve. Now there is a place for mourning and for grief, and I know that there may be some here this morning who cannot celebrate yet because the loss of the one you love is too fresh or still too devastating. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul talks of the human rhythm of grief and loss, saying, do not grieve as those who have no hope. Notice that Paul here is assuming there will be grief for each of us. He never says don't grieve, but he reminds us that as Christians, our grief is different. We grieve as those who have hope. See, each of us want to be forever connected, forever remembered, forever named by our loved ones. As mere mortals, this is something we can't claim we can't guarantee. But God, our God, the God we know in Jesus Christ, who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he can make such a claim. He can make such a guarantee. And this is our hope, my friends, that God who raised Jesus will also raise us up and lead us together, all together with him. Named still connected to our loved ones, and not forgotten. This is why we can celebrate this day. This is why we can talk of the saints, the giants that have gone before us. 
This is why we can still be connected to them at this table by the power of the Spirit. This morning, we gather around this table, God's table, spread for us, but not just for us. Actually, for all those who believe in Christ, even those whose race is already run, those that we love and those that we miss. And for those of us still in the marathon, this is our nourishment. This is what gives us energy. This is what gives us the ability to keep going. And if you listen real hard, if you really listen, you'll hear that cloud of witnesses cheering us on. Beloved in Christ, the invitation is simple. Come and eat of this feast. Not a meal to nourish the body, but a meal to feed the soul. At this table, we receive the bread and wine connected to the ages. At this table, we share the hopes and the tears of generations of the faithful. So come, come surrounded by the cloud of witnesses. Come to run the race that has been set before you. Come looking to Jesus, the one who perfects our faith and who sets this table before us. Let us pray. O oh Lord, our God, creator and ruler of the universe, we praise you for your saints, for your martyrs, for those who have shared in your worship, your mission, and in this sacrament over the centuries. We praise you for the faithful of every age who have followed your son and witnessed to his resurrection. From every race and tongue, from every people and nation, you have gathered them into your kingdom. You have shown them the path of life and filled them with the joy of your presence. How glorious is your heavenly realm where the multitude of your saints rejoice with Christ. Today, we only pray that our worship would join theirs as we share in this feast. God, on this day, we remember, we remember those of our church family who have died in this past year. Ken Brown, Carrie Cotter, Jim Crouch, Nellie Farrell, Jim Maggio, Sam McDaniel, Martin McGarry, Ken Men, Blake Owen, Alex Putnam, Edna Putnam, Sandy Thompson, Mary Washburn, 
and all those that we have loved who have gone before us. Great is the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. God of all, send your spirit to this place so that those gathered here in this sacred moment may know your presence. As we eat the bread and drink the cup, make us one with Christ and one with all the saints, with all our sisters and brothers in faith around the world. Be with us, God. Meet us here, and not only here, but in every moment of our lives. Send your spirit to us, and hear us when we pray as Jesus taught, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And after giving thanks to God, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant, sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Drink all of you of it. For as often as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we proclaim Christ's saving death until he comes. Come, let us keep the feast. If the servers would come forward, and let me remind you that you can bring your footprint with you and put it in the basket as you receive communion. <laughs> 